0: The symptoms of Hashimoto's greatly mimic the symptoms of mold exposure. Difficulty losing weight, fatigue, hair loss, brain fog, can't finish in your sentence, dizziness. And this is just a short list, right? The symptoms of mold exposure go on and on. So I think it's really important to empower yourself if you're looking at living in a new space, whether it's a rental or buying a new home. What are some key Factors that you need to look for when you are physically analyzing your space. Yes, you can bring in a mold inspector. You could bring in a structural engineer. You could bring in an architect to help you, especially if you are building a new home or about to buy a new home. But I think it's really important to empower yourself with the knowledge as well. So, myself having gone through eight mold inspections on a home we lived in, in an office I worked in, in a house that we bought and are now renovating, as well as three different rentals. I think it's really important to take what you've learned from experience from naturopathic physicians who specialize in mold that I've had on the podcast, like Jill Krista and Shippy, Melanie Schifranic, and take all these pieces of knowledge. And when you go, and decide: Is this new space? Is this home? You know, some of us live in our home ninety percent of the time. Are physically in our home, breathing the air in our home ninety percent of our time. Is this home good for my health? I'm the only one that has to live in my body. I take care of my family. Is this place right for me? So I'm going to share some things that I've learned along the way in terms of what to visually inspect for. Things I would never include in my house search, if a home had these certain qualities, not to go with that home. And how to really use all your senses and to really tune into your own body of what you're feeling when you're physically in the home to see if there's mold. And then you can make an educated choice moving forward. Is this the house for my family? Is this where we're going to live? And everything's a kind of risk reward and it's managing the risk. Is this worth it for me? Because very challenging, even with new builds, to find a home that has not had water damage. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, rate and review on iTunes to spread the word for us Hashi ladies. What's up, lovely ladies? Dr. Emily Kybert here with Thyroid Strong Podcast. I am a chiropractor, a mama to Elvis in Brooklyn, and I have Hashimoto's, but it's currently in remission. On this podcast, I share simple, actionable steps with a little bit of tough love on how to lose that stubborn weight, get your energy and your life back, and finally learn how to work out without burning out, living with Hashimoto's. What's up, lovely ladies? Dr. Emily Kuybert here. I wanted to share a current journey that I'm on related to mold. I know we've had a lot of mold guests on the podcast recently, and I wanted to insert my two cents. So recently we moved into a new rental property, and every time I look at a new house that we might potentially be living in, I enter the house and I use my senses. I use my nose and see if there's any sort of musty smell or any sort of smell that resembles cat pee, because that smell of cat urine can be the off-gassing of a certain kind of mold. So as I go into the rental, I'm using my nose to pick up any smells, right? Smell can also be very alerting for danger, (laughs) especially when we have lived in moldy homes in the past and have been affected by mold on a physical level, whether it's brain fog, fatigue, hair loss, skin infections. I use my other sense, which is how does my body physically feel? Am I getting brain foggy? Am I getting a headache? A certain percentage of the population have a genetic SNP that makes us more sensitive to mold. We are like a canary in the coal mine when it comes to mold. So if you have that genetic SNP, when you go into a moldy home, it may feel like you have those symptoms. Brain fog, headache, fatigue, can't finish your sentence, confusion, dizziness. So that's another sense I use when I am checking out a home. The next sense, which is usually probably the easiest, is sight. So I walk into the home and most people who are probably walking in there with me, like a realtor or the homeowner, I immediately start looking up and I'm looking at where the ceiling meets the walls, which they probably think I'm crazy, but you know what? (laughs) I'm the only one that has to live in my body and in a house. And so I always check these five things. So I'm looking for rust stains, which might be coming through the drywall, right? So if there was a water leak and was affecting a nail, that rust from the nail can come through the drywall, right? That water causes chemical reaction, resulting in rust on the metal, which then can seep through the drywall. The second thing I'll look for is salt stains, especially in the concrete in a basement. It's also known as efflorescence. And so I'm looking for that salt-looking stain on a concrete, maybe in a mechanical room or in a basement, that will be a sign of water damage, whether it's the foundation wasn't sealed properly, or there was some sort of water leaking down from up above. So the second thing I'll look for are salt stains, also known as efflorescence. The next thing I'll look for is paint bubbling. And typically I'm looking in the bathrooms, under the sinks, if there's bubbling on the vanity, under the kitchen where the plumbing is, basically anywhere there's plumbing, I'm looking for paint bubbling. Sometimes I'll look right above the shower, especially if there's not a proper exhaust fan pulling the air after we shower outdoors, right? If there's not a proper exhaust, there's going to be high humidity in a bathroom, which can cause paint bubbling. When water soaks into certain building materials, it creates that visible bubbling effect. The fourth thing I look for is any sort of buckling or separating of a molding from the drywall. So water can cause building material to warp, And when this happens, it starts to pull away from each other or create this bowing effect. So where there's molding, whether it's down at the baseboards or up above where the wall meets the ceiling, I'm looking for if there's any sort of buckling or separation of that from the drywall. The fifth thing I'm looking for is if there's cracking between two pieces of drywall. And so when two pieces of drywall meet, then there's usually tape put there. And if there is water damage, sometimes those two pieces of drywall will start to separate. And you'll see that tape line. It's like a very straight line. Oftentimes we're told by maybe a contractor or a homeowner that the house is settling, right? That the house is sinking into the ground and finding its wedge in the soil. I find that not to be the case. Water can lead away at building materials, causing them to crack, peel, rot away. And, you know, sometimes it can be poor craftsmanship. That's definitely in some cases. That's why you would bring in a great mold inspector to differentiate is it water damage or is it poor craftsmanship of where two drywall pieces met? So those are the five things I look for. You know, some other things I'm looking for are nail pops. So when the nail is pounded into the wood, If there's water damage to that wood, there's expansion of the wood. And then the nail will start to pop out and push through the drywall. So you'll see this kind of circular nail pop in the drywall. The other thing I just look for is just like signs of water damage. Is there a patch of water damage, maybe a discoloration in the paint that would be a sign that there was a leak somewhere? In an ideal world, you would check the attic and see if there's any staining on the bottom of the roof, which is kind of what we're going through right now. Check the attic, didn't happen to check it during a walkthrough of the house when we wanted to rent it, but checked it after. And there's some staining, which is a sign of an old roof leak. So we are we brought in a mold of the specter waiting for the results. I'll have to do a part two to this podcast to share what those results are, what we're gonna do about it in terms of remediation, since we aren't the homeowners in different states have different regulation on whether a homeowner has to remediate the mold or not. Colorado, there's very little tenant rights and very little regulation. So if there's mold found in the home, the homeowner doesn't have to remediate it. So I'll have to give a part two once I get the results back in two weeks from the mold inspectors. The other things I consider when I'm looking at a rental and even consider when I'm looking at a home to purchase is, is there a crawl space? I would not live in a home with a crawl space because water can collect there, mold can grow there, and then mold can go into the air, specifically mycotoxins, and then start to rise. So in the wintertime, when we're heating our homes and heat rises, that air gets pulled from the crawl space and rises. So if there's mold in the crawl space, it will rise just as heat rises and air rises. So I really really try to avoid a home with crawl spaces. I know in certain parts of the country, it is really common, like in Texas, Melanie Shafranik, who was on the podcast, talked about crawl spaces and her experience with them. So go check out that episode. And the other thing I would really check for is flat top roofs. So flat top roofs, kind of like those more modern designs or even some older homes that are just flat across the top. They are not pitched. Will hold water, right? Because water is meant to drain, but even a flat top roof has to be pitched properly to drain that water. So, if that water is not draining properly, it's going to sit there and it's going to degrade and erode the building material. Ideally, you would bring a roofer in once every three to six months to check if there's any cracks or if anything in that flat roof needs to get sealed. I don't know anyone that brings in a roofer every three to six months. So I would try to avoid a home. And I know there's some newer homes that are really beautiful and have that flat top roof. I would try and avoid a home that has that kind of roof. I'd go for one where there's a pitch, water runs down, goes into the gutter. You know, speaking of gutters, you want to find a gutter that is shuttling. Like I always walk around the perimeter of a home if I'm about to rent it to see, is water getting shuttled away from the home? Some homes, literally the water comes down the gutter and then dumps right next to the house, next to the foundation. And if the foundation is not sealed properly, then that water over time will infiltrate the foundation and the concrete. So is the water getting shuttled away properly from the house? Does the gutter have an extension where it's dumping the water a couple feet away from the house? Really important. So, all this being said, when I was looking for another rental in Boulder, I looked at 20. Different rentals, some from management companies, some from really big management companies in Boulder, some that are from homeowners. And I looked at 20 rentals and all 20 of them had some signs of water damage. So it's tricky. And even some of the newer builds, right? Because some of the newer builds, uh, I looked at one apartment was built within the last two years, had water damage around the windows. I'm thinking, this is a new build. How can this be? And a lot of new builds go up really quickly and are built quickly and are built like thing. they don't allow the building to settle. My mold inspector was just telling me this the other day that new builds usually look great for about two years and then there's signs of water damage or water infiltration into the space because they were built so quickly. So even a newer build can have water damage, which as we know, 24 hours of water damage, mold can grow within 24 hours. So if there's water damage in a new build, you can still have mold. The thing with an older home, you know, the home we rented is from 1965, is there's more potential for more water damage events. You know, once the house is built, from that moment it's built, it is going to degrade, right? Building materials, the materials we use, wood, drywall, it's forest, it can get infiltrated by water, and it can degrade. So The older the home, the more potential for more water damage events possible. I think there's no ideal situation. So I think there's two things. I think you make an educated guess and you find the home that is most appropriate for you. For us, it was near our kids' school. It was in the neighborhood where we bought a home and are renovating that home. It's in a great community. And we felt like, okay, if anything comes up, we can take care of it and work with the homeowner. I think the second thing you need to take into account is building your terrain. So Nancy Crowell talks about this in her podcast. Go check it out about, you know, mold is everywhere. We can get exposed to it anywhere, right? At the grocery store, in our home, wherever we go, in the kid's school. But if we strengthen our terrain, our nervous system, our resilience, our gut microbiome, the amount of muscle we have in the bone, we can detox from those exposures more easily and ideally more quickly. So I hope that helps for those of you who are in the mold camp, have lived through water damage and mold exposure, and might have a little bit of a PTSD from it like I do. These are some of the things that I use to check for water damage if I'm moving into a new space, whether it's a rental, or I'm buying a new home, or even going through construction. I'm currently looking at like the wood that they do use to construct the house is their lumber mold because the wood been sitting out unprotected in the rain for too long. And now there's mold on the wood building the house. So that's another (laughs) factor in this big picture. So I hope this helps. This was a shorty. I hope you took some notes and I hope this empowers you, right? As a tenant or going into the relationship of a tenant landlord, where you can make the best decision for yourself, your body, because you are the only person who needs to live in your own body. So let's make it optimized. All right, ladies, I hope this helps. If you like this episode, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review, give an honest review. I like all feedback and I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode or even learned just one new piece of information to help you on your Hashimoto's journey, would you do me a huge favor? rate and review Thyroid Strong Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you used to listen in to this podcast and share what you liked. Maybe you learned something new. And if you didn't like it, well, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Dr. Emily Kybird. I read and respond to every single DM. I truly believe all feedback is good feedback, even... The ugly comments. If you're interested in joining the Thyroid Strong Course, a home workout program using kettlebells and weights, where I teach you how to work out without the burnout, go to dremilykybert.com forward slash TS wait list. You'll get all the most up-to-date information on when the course launches and goes live, special deals and early access bonuses myself and my functional medicine doctor friends. Again, DrEmilyKyber.com forward slash T S weightless. I hope to see you on the inside, ladies.